1: Hello and welcome to the Big Blue Big Board Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum, and this is our first official draft show of the off-season. Where we're straight to the draft now in terms of the New York Giants. So they finished 5-11. Uh, they will hold the sixth overall pick. No more projections or probabilities of where they're going to pick. That's where it's going to happen. So right now, six. Overall, so we have now an idea of where the Giants are. We can start to figure out what prospects might be in that area. That also, at the moment, gives us some semblance of where they'll be picking around in you know, the later rounds. Uh, there's still comp picks and things like that that are going to to push that order around. But right now, we pretty much know where the Giants are going to be in just about every round. So we can start figuring out some of the prospects that are going to be in this area. So if you've been listening to us since the beginning, we've been going over pretty much position by position, uh, going over some of the top prospects or prospects of interest in most of those groups. You can go back and listen to those episodes. They're mostly evergreen, but we'll continue to talk about the prospects that we have talked about in the past as we get now deeper into our evaluations that we don't have Giants football that we need to watch honestly thankfully at this point (laughs) it's probably a a good time to turn the page on that um so we're going to continue talking about those prospects and all the positions of need and one of those positions possibly is something we're going to talk about today it's a position we haven't gotten to yet which is off-ball linebacker so you ready to break these guys down chris
2: oh definitely yeah there's one thing giants fans love to talk about is linebackers or the need for linebackers.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so we had our mailbag episode of last week, and we did that instead of a positional preview. And I think the number one topic that was asked was about quarterback and what they do. And then number two, I think we got a decent amount of questions about linebacker. This is a position that has continually stung the Giants for ever <laughs> in I, I, at least I, recent history
2: only about oh 25 years or so
1: um i mean there there have been some some good ones uh in that time but uh, it's a position that the giants have not really attacked or or had quality at and we had the alec ogletree trade during the offseason uh, people without really knowing much about ogletree were just excited that something was done at linebacker I'm not sure how excited those people continued to be once Alec Ogletree played, <laughs> um, but no, I think that's going to be uh, another topic. We'll we'll, uh, we'll take it easy on Ogletree in this uh, in this episode. But off-ball linebacker is is what we're going to talk about, and that is different than than edge and pass-rushing linebackers. So these are just going to be guys that are typically you know the the inside. It's type linebackers, the guys who are are going to be, you know, defending the run, the middle of the field, the linebackers whose main responsibility is not going to be rushing the passer.
2: Yeah. This isn't to say they don't ever rush the passer. Defenses obviously will blitz off ball linebackers, you know, send them through the A or B gaps, that sort of thing. But these are the guys who are, you know, cleaning up after the defensive lineman in the run game or dropping in coverage on running backs and tight ends over the middle, as opposed to rushing downhill off the edge.
1: Right. Yeah. Very different, distinct responsibilities. So think of the difference in responsibility, like this year between an Alec Ogletree and like Lorenzo Carter or Kareem Martin. Those are the differences. Ogletree is an off-ball linebacker and he does still blitz having the ability to blitz from that position is definitely a plus so it's not like they don't rush the passer at all um but just different responsibilities on the field and and those are the guys because we already had the edge podcast where we looked over the guys who are going to be those pass rushers so today we're going to shift uh, to the off-ball linebacker
2: yeah and there is definitely a uh difference in the I would say depth of this draft between edge and off-ball linebacker yet the edge class at least depending on which underclassmen come out is going to be absolutely stacked this one is going to be a little bit it's going to be shallow and I think we're going to have to kind of look a little bit deeper for those uh diamonds in the rough
1: yeah this is a position that one is not valued as highly as maybe it, it has been in the past as the NFL has switched to more passing the the dominant run stuffing middle linebacker is not really that big of a thing anymore uh we we did see some uh go highly this year with Roquan Smith and then there was a Tremaine Edmonds so there are still uh the players there who can have value at that position Um, we see players like Luke Keekly and Bobby Wagner are having dominant performances at that position um but overall it's still a position that is not as highly regarded and as valued uh, as it used to be in the past
2: oh definitely and I think if you look at those players uh Broquan Smith, Tremaine Edmonds, Bobby Wagner those types of guys if you look at them, they're all highly athletic players. They can move, and they can play in space and cover a big area of the middle of the field, and they can come downfield, fill gaps, or they can drop into pretty sizable coverage areas. As great as he was a decade and change ago, Antonio Pierce probably could not play today, or at least not be a three-down linebacker.
1: Yeah, that's that's true. His, his role would have need to have been adjusted at some point. I think on on top of that, what really is important for these linebackers now, uh, is athleticism. I think you need to be able to move quickly. You need to be able to move fluidly. And and these bigger bulking guys are. I, I don't think that that's just not the position anymore. I think you see, especially this rookie class that came in, and and the guys who were successful there. Leighton Vanderash was one of the most athletic linebackers in this draft. So per Spark, which is just a composite score of basically all the important combine drills he came out as more athletic than 97.3 percent of nfl linebackers that's incredible and then you look at guys who also had success this year jerome baker in miami he was at the 85th percentile fred warner in san francisco was the 80th percentile you just have these athletic type of guys uh, and they're now the guys who are the prototypes at that position
2: yeah definitely even going back a little bit luke keekley was almost ridiculously athletic especially for a couple years ago when he was drafted
1: yeah and so we obviously don't have those testing numbers yet But what we do, I think, I've said this continually on these shows, when we do have those athletic testing numbers, they are going to help color uh, evaluations that we have of these prospects um so right now what we have is, is what we can see on film we have some other production numbers and that's what we're going to use and we, we can see and project some of this athleticism which i think we're going to do with with a decent amount of the guys we're going to be talking about but then what once we get those numbers i think that it's really going to help shape how we feel of uh, these prospects as a whole so again remember the um, evaluations we have right now are very preliminary and we're just kind of going over who you should be starting to look at at these positions.
2: Yeah, and I that's a good spot as any to really start to look at them.
1: Yeah, so let's get into into some of the top guys. So I think we'll we'll start out and, and mention Josh Allen from Kentucky. Well, I think we already talked about him on the edge episode. I think I would consider him more of an edge. I would use him more as an edge. I think it would be a little bit of a waste to use him. Uh, and not get his pass rush ability on uh, like 85% of his snaps at least. So just, I'm going to say we're going to mention him here because some people might talk about him more as as a linebacker, but I would use him as an edge, and I think that should be his best position going forward.
2: Definitely. Um, I only have him on my l- list of linebackers because depending on the scheme he is drafted into if he winds up as say a strong side linebacker in Carolina he could play that off ball linebacker where he's going downhill and rushing on occasion but also dropping into space and covering he could do that he could probably excel at that for the Giants he is an edge all day long and I won't say he'll be Khalil Mack, but he could be damn close.
1: Yeah, he's just—he's a really good pass rusher, and, and I think maybe if you—if you're thinking of, you know, the scenarios he can be put in, I think like Hassan Reddick in, at Arizona under James Betcher would be maybe like worst case scenario of how often he would rush the passer. I think in Reddick's rookie year, I think he was about like. I don't know, 55%, 50% of the time he was rushing the pass and other times he was dropping back and playing more of a standard linebacker. And and he, in his senior year, was he was more of a pass rusher, though he had played linebacker, he had played safety. Uh, so there there is, especially for the Giants, some history of, of the coordinator working in someone like that. I think it's slightly similar to Lorenzo Carter, too. Um, but let's move on and, and get into guys we haven't talked about yet. And... Let's go with someone who uh, is probably going to fit that really athletic type of of mold. And he's someone a lot of people uh, have thought very highly of, and that is Mac Wilson of Alabama.
2: Yeah, well, uh, Alabama defense, he's, he's going to have hype. Personally, watching him, I think his hype is a little bit more projection right now than... What he has put on tape. He kind of reminds me of Alec Ogletree, especially in the first half of the season, in that you occasionally see flashes of instinct where he knows before the ball is snapped where he is going. He has a plan. And when he pulls the trigger, he is explosively athletic. You know, he comes down in just a blink. And he can move around the field almost like he's ice skating. But then he has, I would say, almost too many plays where he has to wait and see what's happening before he pulls the trigger and commits.
1: Yeah, he seems like he's, he's going to be an interesting projection because he is... He is in the middle of that Alabama defense, but there's so many good players around him. When you look at his production, uh, it's it's going to be a, a tough balancing act to figure out what he was responsible for, and uh, some things that he maybe left on the field is if that's from you know other Alabama players really getting to the plays first because. You, you look at his numbers. He only had four and a half tackles for loss, a one sack, three and a half run stuffs. Those are not great numbers for a linebacker. Less than half of his uh, total tackles were solo tackles. He's the only guy we're going to talk about today who was below fifty percent. Um, and then you look at some of his his broken tackle numbers. They weren't great. So he had a broken tackle on of 14.3% of his solo tackle attempts. Uh, and that is, is not a good number. That again, is going to be the worst of the guys we have talked about today. So in terms of production, it's not totally there, but it, it, in terms of, you know, his build, his athleticism, um, obviously playing the amount he has, on the Alabama defense is going to be a plus for some people because there's you hope there's that that football intelligence that's going to be needed for, you know, that middle of the field type player. But I think when you look at him, it's going to definitely be a projection of his traits uh, going against the production he actually had on the field.
2: Yeah, and there will be watching the tape, there will be that kind of process of separating his play from you know, Quinn and Williams and Raquan Davis being monsters in front of him, Deontay Thompson being a really good free safety behind him. So just, is he an athletic player on a defense just surrounded by great players? Or is he a guy with his arrow pointing up who will grow into his potential at the NFL level?
1: Right, that's that's going to be a big conversation I think surrounding him. And if you, know, you want to you know, talk about someone, I think Alec Ogletree might be, you know a decent comp of someone who is very athletic, can show some of that range, but that isn't always as productive as that athleticism would suggest. I mean, he's someone who, who still has, you know, an, another game left. If he has a big game in the national championship game against Clemson, um, it's probably, it probably shouldn't, but probably will change the entire conversation. I mean, he's already rated, uh, when you look at a lot of places, one of, if not the top off-ball linebacker in this class. So he's someone who's definitely going to bring up a lot of conversations. But I think if we move on... It's someone else who has been brought up as as one of the most highly uh, talked about linebackers in this group, probably for for a while, is Devin White of LSU.
2: Yeah, he's fun to watch, and he's he's a little bit more in that uh, kind of classic inside middle linebacker John Beeston type mold. He's just solid, yeah, head to toe solidly built he's athletic enough he's not if of the guys we mentioned today he'll probably be the worst athlete but that's not saying he's a bad athlete of them he probably uses his hands the best he can play off of his blocks he can stack and shed even offensive linemen and he can really navigate the trash around the line of scrimmage really well personally i like his instincts He rarely takes a an incorrect first step which is something i like i like to see and he can play in coverage too
1: yeah he he seems to be someone who is consistently around the ball and if you're looking for you know an off-ball linebacker that's that's what you want so I mean, his his solo a tackle percentage is only you know a tick above a 50%. I just had a ding on Wilson for being under 50%. White's only at about 50, but the White has like twice as many tackles uh, as, as Wilson does and more than double the solo tackles. So White had 92 and a half tackles. When you break that down, it's 62 solo and 61 assists. And those 61 count as half tackles in the total tackle numbers. Uh, but he's a guy who's just around the ball. He's making tackles all the time. He had 12 tackles for loss, three sacks, 20 and a half run stuffs. So he's a guy that's going to be around the line of scrimmage in the run game also six pass breakups and three force fumbles those are just the excellent numbers when you look for someone who you want to be making plays this guy absolutely a playmaker Eight broken tackles uh, per Sports Info Solutions, but when you put it in the total of the amount of tackle attempts, uh, that's not near as bad of, of a broken tackle percentage. It's only about 11.4. That is not bad. I think the one concern you might have is in coverage. Uh, so per Sports Info Solutions, in 2018, he had faced 23 targets. And as we look at these targets, especially for linebackers, uh, it's going to be a small sample size. So some of these numbers you know, are... are Very volatile, depending (laughs) on what happened. But he had 23 targets. He had a 69.6% completion percentage allowed uh, and 7.4 yards per target allowed. So that is not great. That is going to be the worst of those linebackers we talked about. But he's around the ball so often that I think you can take some of those lapses in coverage uh, and you can live with them because so many other plays are being made.
2: Uh, now, does SIS happen to have context for those targets? Because in at least the games I watched, LSU wasn't shy about matching him up in the slot, which for a guy six foot, six one, around 240, is not an ideal matchup.
1: So I can pull those up for you now. Uh, he was pretty good in the slot. It looks like only six targets were charted against him in the slot, two completions dropped interception on one of them that uh but that counts as a pass defended so 33.3 percent completion percentage and 5.1 yards per target there when he was in the slot so it looks like he was a slightly better in the slot than when uh he was just targeted overall
2: okay that's like that's actually interesting to see (laughs) okay then (laughs) i i I was not expecting that those numbers
1: Yeah, so, I mean, again, only only six targets, you know, still only two completions, but, you know, that's certainly not bad, and he, it looks like he was still able to make plays on the ball, and again, he had six pass breakups in on these targets, so when you're looking at the completion percentage, that that is high, but I think, again, especially linebacker targeting stats can be quite volatile, so... Um, that doesn't necessarily mean he's terrible in coverage or, or can't improve, but that just shows uh, if there's one piece that needs to be worked on in his game, it's probably that. Yeah,
2: I would agree with that.
1: So let's move to another Devin who is also being talked about as one of the, the top guys in this class, and that is Devin Bush of Michigan.
2: Yeah, I I think his draft stock is going to be it could vary really widely i've seen people have him all the way down in like a fringe top 10 linebacker personally i enjoyed watching him you know, he's, yeah he's in my notes i have him down as he, he's built like a fire hydrant with dreads yeah you know, he's listed at 511 225 he might be 510 i'm not sure he's got a he doesn't sound big but on the you look at him on the field he is just thick yeah he kind of reminds me of uh chris borland when he was coming out of wisconsin and then if you go back a couple years greg jones out of michigan state who i still say it was a mistake to cut him before actually giving him a run at at his natural strong side position but that's that has nothing to do with the show he is Devin Bush, I I mean, is he's got pop in his game. Even taking on blockers, he tries to jolt them backwards. And he's a dude, he's always going to win the leverage battle. And when he hits, he hits. He is of these guys, he is definitely the most aggressive guy I saw. You know, occasionally he would be out of control, you know, let himself get run out of plays. Occasionally maybe run past his uh gap responsibility if he was you know in pursuit on the outside but that usually he would be coming from the complete other side of the field you know a really high energy player and he moves a lot better than i think you would expect from a guy built like him he moves more like an athletic running back than a stocky linebacker
1: yeah, and that, those are good things to see. So he's the linebacker uh, in this group who had the highest share of of solo tackles. So he had fifty eight point five. Um, you know, total tackles. Forty of those were solo. Again, the the, ha- the assisted tackles count as half, so it's sixty point six uh, percent of his tackles were solo. Uh, that's that's a great number. So he was the first one to the ball, and he was bringing that guy down. Um, nine tackles for a loss, five sacks. So he he can be a pass rusher. Nine run stuffs, six pass breakups. he's a guy again around the ball. All the time. Only 5 broken tackles. That's 11.1% broken tackle rate. That, that is not bad. Uh, that's the second best of this group. And then in pass coverage. Per Sports Info Solutions. It's 20 targets. He only allowed 45% completion percentage. But a 6.2 yards per target. um, Which is the second highest of this group. So he wasn't allowing a lot of balls to be completed. But some of them uh, did have some big gains when they were. So again that that is that is a bit of a give and take there but yeah he is someone who you know he's going to be on the smaller side of these but when you can have when you have his his size but still his athleticism and his aggressiveness on the field i think all of those work real well together
2: oh yeah he might be a guy who is good to pair with Alec ogletree maybe he's a handcuff to bj goodson i his Height, if not his size, could be an issue in the NFL just because he could get swallowed up by big tight ends or big linemen. But, you know, he's pretty much always going to win the leverage battle. And he is just like, when he hits, he's like a coiled spring. And his play strength is more than I think you would expect just looking at his measurables.
1: Yeah, and that will be something we see as these workouts happen. Because right now, you can watch the film. A lot of these guys that we're talking about right now are are juniors, so most of these guys are, aren't going to be on the senior bowl circuit where where we see some of these guys uh, get these one on one attempts and and see them a, a little more you know, through the off season. So we're really not going to see most of these guys until the combine, but. Yeah, he's he's someone who has been talked up a lot, uh, and through his tape and his numbers and probably his workouts, he's going to be someone who's going to continue to be uh, of interest to a lot of teams. So let's talk about the the one guy who we are going to talk about, who is a senior, and that's a Bobby Okariki of Stanford.
2: Both he and our next guy are going to be a little bit more, or say a lot more, in that new age kind of. Linebacker, who is a response to the spread offense. It, these guys that kind of blur the line between linebacker and strong safety. And he is tall. I think he's – i I've seen him listed about 6'3". That looks about right. He's, again, really athletic. He moves more like a big defensive back than – a small lineman if that makes sense big range he can cover a lot of field he doesn't look lost if he's in like a dime package and he's covering the entire middle he he can do that he is fast to come downhill and he can sift through the trash at the line of scrimmage really well but he does kind of rely on his athleticism to beat his blo- uh, to beat blocks, and that can get him in trouble.
1: Uh, he was able to make uh, a decent amount of solo tackles, which again is something you like to see. It's 55.6% um, of his 72 tackles. Just 7.5 tackles for loss, 3.5 sacks, 12.5 run stuffs, 5 pass breakups, 2 forced fumbles. Um, all of those decent numbers to see across the board, those are you know, ar- around where these other guys are. The-, the run stuffs is second on this list only to Devin White, who was just ridiculous uh, in run stuffs. Still not a bad tackler. Again, uh, eight broken tackles, that's a 12.7%. So Solo broken tackle rate that's you know around you know, okay that's not terrible. He was used the most uh, in coverage, a 33 targets per Sports Info Solutions, a 51.5 percent completion percentage, um, and a 5.33 yards per target. He is also someone because he is the only senior we're talking about, uh, he's someone who is going to be at the Senior Bowl at the end of January, so he he gets possibly that bump of being able to look at him with NFL coaching um, and, and around some of these other top prospects, so that's something we'll, we'll talk about when the time comes, uh, but he's someone I'm going to be interested in seeing how he performs in that setting.
2: Oh, definitely. That's, that is going to be interesting and Personally, I'm looking forward to the Senior Bowl this year that looks to have one of the better rosters it's had in a while. And Okuriki is an intriguing guy to watch. Yeah, you know, he and our next guy both kind of remind of say, Darius Leonard a little bit, just as players who are longer, athletic, who don't really resemble the classic NFL linebacker but in today's NFL are going to be productive
1: yeah absolutely so let's go to our next guy then because he's not a name that I think has been brought up often as one of the top linebackers in the group I think when we were I was going over a list of some of the top prospects I only really saw him on the one list as even in I think even in like the the top ten, I think one saw him as five, but he might be. I think probably my personal favorite. I maybe wouldn't rate him as linebacker one, but he might be my favorite. And again, as as a junior, yet to commit to the draft, so that's also part of it. Um, but that is Troy Die of Oregon.
2: Yeah, he's the one out of all of them who really kind of trips my Darius Leonard radar because he's. He's the guy nobody has really been talking about. And if you're looking at linebackers from kind of a classic standpoint, he's not going to be terribly impressive. He's not going to be coming up stacking and shedding guards and blowing up running backs. But he is a guy who is, I think, well-tailored for the modern NFL. He's got the size to cover tight ends. He's 6'3", about 230, 235. He's got good length. He knows how to use that length. And that's actually how he plays off of blocks. He's very good at keeping himself clean, keeping blockers away from his chest plate and presenting a really small strike zone to linemen so he can play off of blocks that he probably shouldn't be able to based on his weight and play strength but he gives himself room and he's really quick i think ben solek of the draft network his very first note on him which by the way they have him rated as their 14th linebacker but his very first note on him is he is stupid athletic and that fits I am in on stupid athletic. Give me stupid athletic yes. and I will figure out what to do
1: with a guy. But also uh, incredibly productive. It's not someone who is uh, athletic and and has no idea what to do with it, which which is great. 90 total tackles, 57.7% of those were solo. That's good. He's, he's getting to the ball, and he is the guy getting to the ball. Uh, eight tackles for loss, two sacks, nine run stuffs. One interception, seven pass breakups. Those are all great numbers. Uh, He is someone who, because of uh, his size, um, his length, he can play in coverage. Uh, He was the best tackler of this group. Five broken tackles is only a 7.25 broken tackle percentage per Sports Info Solutions numbers. And 21 targets, a 51.4% completion percentage allowed, only 3.62 yards per target. Now that's excellent so you can allow over half the passes to be completed uh, but if you're only giving up three and a half yards per pass that is absolutely excellent work in coverage
2: oh definitely and his tackling I would say he isn't like Devin Bush or Devin White where he tries to deliver hits and blow guys up he is a secure tackler which is why his broken tackles are low. He will try to square up, wrap up, and okay, sometimes it's a bit of a drag down tackle, but he gets them down.
1: Yeah, and and as those as those solo tackle numbers say, he's the the first one to the ball. That solo percentage of fifty seven point seven is the second highest after Devin Bush and his total tackle numbers are the second highest after Devin White. So he's someone who is is around the ball. That That is good to see. Again, obviously, you don't always want to look at tackle numbers and not always are high tackle numbers good because that sometimes means the the ball is coming at you. Sometimes that's purposely. But when when you can see there is production when those tackle numbers are high then that is um a a sign of of a quality player when you have those 90 tackles only five broken tackles that's under 10 percent broken tackle rate which is incredible that that's a sign of a very good tackler add in those coverage numbers that is that's the type of, of rangy athletic linebacker i think is perfect for the modern nfl
2: oh yeah and he is an instinctive guy he He's one of those guys who takes that accurate first step. He doesn't have a whole lot of hesitation or hemming and hawing before he gets in motion, and he's a guy whose motor runs white hot. He is always in pursuit, and he will pursue through the echo of the whistle. I believe against Washington State, he forced a fumble where he was chasing a guy for about 15 yards his tackle almost got broken but laying on the ground he swatted the ball out of the ball carrier's hands to force the fumble
1: i mean that's that's exactly what you, what you want to hear that is uh, that's some fun stuff so i i hope that he is someone who uh, is going to continue to impress through the evaluation process. He's someone that I am in the preliminary evaluations would be high on now. So uh, he's someone I'm going to keep an eye on, um, as, as we go forward and he, if he doesn't rise up, you know, he might be, you know, in a position somewhere where, where the giants could be thinking about possibly taking a linebacker. I mean, I, I doubt they do it at, at six overall, um, unless it's Josh Allen. Right, but again, that's that's an edge rusher. That's that's a not quite you know an off ball linebacker to either yeah. replace or put next to Ogletree. I mean, as we look at that, that's that's kind of you know what the position is right now. That's where all these prospects in at this position stand. I mean, there's people we haven't talked about, but people we will. To talk about as as we continue to go forward because it's still only the beginning of january we have a lot of freaking time before this draft and we have we have been talking about the draft for a while that is um that's just kind of how the giant season went we were kind of forced to early on so uh, those are some of the prospects we're looking at now um we will we will continue breaking this down we have I think two positions left in our preliminary positional breakdown. So we will get to those later in terms of the, the rest of our shows. We'll be back sometime next week with, with something um, (laughs) exactly what uh, I'm not sure, but we'll let you know. Um, But for this episode, we'll end it there. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you find your podcast. Please leave a rating and a review that helps us out greatly. Um, you know, follow all our work at bigblueview.com. You can follow Big Blue View on Twitter at Big Blue View. Follow Big Blue View on Instagram. I-, I know I've been saying this and haven't. Totally followed through, uh, but we're going to do more fun stuff with Instagram uh, during the off season, while there's not as much crazy uh, in season uh, content to do. We'll we'll figure out some some more fun things to do, and that is at Big underscore Blue underscore View. Follow me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. Follow Chris on Twitter at Raptor MKII. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.
0: So listen to podcasts, check it out.